what was the impetus for you to join all of these different committees? Were you looking to increase your own salary? Were you just curious and just want to be more involved? Or was it a stepping stone to maybe something greater, like being a part of your own company or starting your own company? That's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. Um, in playing it back, I, I think I was just frustrated because if you get through medical school residency fellowship and study for three boards and you kind of keep thinking that it's going to continue and then you realize, oh, that's it. And I think when someone's been on this constant path of growth and the next thing, I, I just think I, I wasn't ready to say there's no more next thing. Uh, I didn't know what the next thing was, I, but I, I knew I had to explore my growth you know once once you're seeing 20 patients a day and and you got that routine down you're like okay so i do this for the next 30 40 years and that's it so it just seemed like the the the, the program of growth shouldn't stop and i think i just initially did it because i knew nothing about administrative medicine so i didn't know and some of the jobs i took i didn't like i, I realized what i didn't like and I, oh, some of the jobs i took i really liked and you weren't going to figure that out until you tried it. You know, I, I've, I've been essentially employed as a hospital administrator and gotten paid by a hospital. I've been employed by, uh, you know, an insurance company and gotten paid from an insurance company. Uh, I mean, the teaching was voluntary clinical staff, but I got to teach in a medical school and teach second year medical students and third and fourth year medical students. So all of that helped you understand what where you wanted to go um i think it's easy to say you would wind up where you wind up anyway without those experiences i but i'm i, I would might argue that those experiences help shape your future decisions if that makes sense i don't know if you're familiar with this thing called the peter principle which is that you know people get promoted to their uh, i don't exact phrase but people get promoted to their level of incompetence yeah. you know like it just because you're a good engineer doesn't mean you would be good as the head of the engineering department right and people say well he's a good engineer so he would be a great head of the engineering department you know he's a good accountant so he would be great at being the head of the accounting department now you could be but you need to acquire some skills and I think this this is the trade-off where people say, well, you know, it was my idea. I put the money in, so obviously I'd be the best person to lead it. Now, that sounds depressing, but if you then say, okay, now how do I acquire those skills? Who do I need to? Are there mentors, people I can look to who can advise me, walk me through it, hold my hands? Uh, but if you don't, if you if you view leadership as soft skills, you'll never look for that or ask for help. So tell me what, I know there's a lot of mistakes, but what's the number one mistake that CEOs typically make when running a business? Yeah, I think I think the number one mistake is they think if they have the right business, by definition, it will succeed. <clears throat> the, you know, get the right product, get the right service, it's the right thing. But the actual execution, the hiring, the enrolling people into your vision, you know, all of that, uh, is something you need to learn and you can either learn it the easy way or the hard way i think most of us who navigated it 
made all, a lot of mistakes and we we figured it out hopefully but ideally it would be best if you didn't figure it out by making mistakes but just to get the heads up and know ahead of time that there are certain things you have to do uh to make your business successful even if you have a great idea even if you have a great product you have to execute so a lot of people think that you know their billion dollar idea is the make it or break it for them why is that not the case well it, without the execution without having a great team you know mistakes can be made that can be fatal i mean you can or you can die by a thousand cuts you know if you keep if you keep um if you don't have your systems in place you uh what, what you kind off. of what, what kind of systems well i mean first of all you got to look what depends if you're a service or if you're a product but first of all you have to identify initially three four or five people who are enrolled in your vision who don't feel it's a job that they're going to you know like go to the moon with you kind of right. thing and I mean, how do you uh, find those people, though? Because I mean, uh, you know, th there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that uh, th yeah. they they struggle to find those people, especially in this new, the new way the world works digitally. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's all. That that's a whole separate question about hiring and and mentoring and enrolling people in in your vision. Okay. But yeah, but those are all skill sets you need to acquire. But I think the biggest mistake you can make is just assume that your great idea will work without you identifying. Uh, key leaders in your organization because you can't do everything. You know, LeBron right. James single-handedly cannot win the championship. <laughs> he needs you know, a whole team. Be, he needs a team, and um, so I think that's the most common. But we have more. But I think those are the, some of the more common ones. We call ourselves E Seven, mm -hmm. and the E stands for, of course, the technology. Um, the Seven is really seven books of business, and travel medicine is now one of the seven. So you know, let's just say that makes up 20% of our business. So right. the other 20%. So we went into every book of business that vaccines were involved. So for example, there's vaccines involved in employee health. Uh, there's vaccines involved in, st in student health. There's vaccines involved in uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, so we're in that business because there's vaccines involved. So if vaccine, you know, the way I kind of look at it is imagine you have a refrigerator full of vaccines for a travel medicine clinic, but you don't use it for anything but travel medicine. And the analogy I give is if you wanted to open up a tire shop, right? And you had an inventory of all the tires, you know, in the, in the United States. I mean, every single tire you can imagine, but you only decided to only sell tires to Chevrolet's. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So right. if we're going to have a vaccine full of refri a refrigerator full of vaccines, we're not just going to do travel. And that was the original idea. We're not going to do just travel medicine. We're going to do employee health, student health. We're going to do STD, COVID. We mm. were going, we're going to do it all. If vaccines are involved, not only are we going to do the vaccine, but we're going to go vertical. So if we're going to give STD vaccines, we're going to do STD testing and we're going to do STD treatment. So whatever vaccines were involved, just like travel medicine is not all vaccines. It's writing prescriptions, it's food, water, safety, insect precautions you know, talking about how to stay safe, what have you. So we provide all the services around the vaccines right? in seven different books of business. I think it's a skill set that people think they can just have because, you know, they're smart. But there's literally skill sets that you need to acquire. You know, how to hire people, how to fire people, how to mentor people. 
um, you know, how to deal with crisis in the organization. What do you do when your whole system goes down or when there's a, you know, major cracks in whatever you're doing. And I think people who start businesses, you know, don't view leadership skills as a specific set of technical skills they need to acquire. They think it's soft skills. You know, like I, I'm good with people, so I'm going to be a good CEO. No, that's not, that's not the case. All right. I mean, it's like flying a 747. If, if you put me on a cockpit at 30,000 feet and say, land a 747, I can't just say, well, I'm a pretty smart guy. I'll figure it out. No, the plane's going to crash. I mean, no, no, no amount of your, your MBA or your law degree or your medical degree is not going to land that plane. You need to acquire very specific skills to land that 747. Right. And so same thing with leadership. You, you can't just get it because you're a nice guy and you know a lot. Uh, you have to say, okay, these are skill sets I need to acquire. So I need to find mentors. I need to seek out those skill sets so I can be successful. Because think about it. Most people become CEOs of a startup just because it was just their idea, but they're not qualified to be a CEO or they just had some money to throw at it. But then which is fine. It's okay to do that. But then go ahead. If you're going to run an organization with, you know, dozens and dozens of people, go ahead and acquire those skills because they'll maximize your chance for success. Today, we have a bulletproof system that helps us close up to 80% of those inbound calls. Our high converting call class will teach you how to demonstrate your authority quickly without being pushy. We believe that many businesses out there can benefit from this. And we promise to help you achieve your revenue goals by converting more of your incoming calls into actual sales. For more information, please visit our website at highconvertingcallclass.com. Stop waiting for the sales to come to you. Put your revenue into your hands. You don't want to be the smartest guy in every room. That's definitely not the way to go. Right. If you if you want to acquire those skills, you know you just have to understand. Uh, you know, I, I give this analogy all the time, but you know, if I if I met Michael Jordan, I wouldn't tell him how I shoot the ball because it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, right, I, right. I, I should right. I should just be asking him. Well, tell me more. Tell me more. So again, so if you're if you're around a Michael Jordan, or, and, and I mean you know, that's kind of High fluent, but if you're around someone who knows more than you, you know, I don't think that's the time to give your take on it because they've been doing it for 20 years. I don't know what your, your take on it means if you're just getting into it. So yeah, I mean, later on, once you, you know, get some of those skills, you may have an opinion, but early on, just understand that if you found these mentors or consultants, you know, just shut up and listen. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean every mentor is the right mentor. It doesn't mean every consultant sure. is consultant. But if you do feel like you've got the right person to just be quiet. Yeah. I, th I think it was an opportunity to understand where the friction is naturally in mm -hmm. traditional medicine Yeah, and, and, and realize, you know, what's really important in terms of quality mm -hmm. In terms, in terms of patient satisfaction, I mean, it's almost like comical if you really think about it. What other industry 
you walk in and they give you a clipboard with 30 pages of exactly. stuff on it. Yeah. That's just like it's you, frustrating it, for the customer too. Right. right? But, <laughs> but, but what other yeah. industry would get away with that? Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you were going to go get your hair cut and they gave you a clipboard with <laughs> 30 pages, you're like, yeah. Or, or what other industry gets away with, uh, you know, when you call the office, you know, if you want to make an appointment, dial one. Yeah. If you want your medical records, dial two. And if you want it's very to, personal. And, yeah. and and no matter what number you dial, they'll say, and we'll get back to you in 2440. <laughs> yeah. So like thinking yeah. that it could be done better. Yeah, that, it, yeah. It can be done better. There's yeah. something there's something that screams out um, you know, better patient experience and and quality too. I mean, I'm, we're not touching on that, but how do you improve and make sure, you know. Errors aren't made, uh, you know, like in our, a lot of our software development mm -hmm. really doesn't translate into anything financial because, you know, we spend money on things that prevent human error. Sure. So if you're going to, you know, if there, a patient has an allergy to something, you know, the option to give them a vaccine that they're allergic to almost doesn't exist because the system won't allow it. Sure. And so to you, if you can automate some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and get the human error component out. Now, yeah. you know, generally there's not a lot of ROI on that kind of sure. investment per se, of course. You but know. over time, you know, it has a, a direct impact. It, it's easier for your staff, um, yes. less paper, right? And, and, yeah. and, and, and safer for the patients. I sure. mean, so that's really, um, yeah. And yeah. the one thing I always say is um, it just turns out coincidentally mm -hmm. that Great quality medicine is the best business. I, I like the word you use, transferable skills. I just think some of my colleagues don't realize how transferable those skills are. And I like the way you put it because many of the skills I use now, and of course I, I learn more, but many of the ones I, I use now, I look back during my clinical days and I'm like, yeah, I was actually, you know, where the buck stops with me, you know, anything that happens to the patient, I own you know, these kind of things is what CEOs of companies do. You know, everything stops with me. I own everything. I'm responsible, you know. And so I actually think being in healthcare, especially being in, on the clinical side, um, prepares you a lot more than you realize. I just think a lot of people just cannot take the leap of faith and, you know, just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get off this train and try something else. Because once you're on that express train, you know, you just think there's no getting off, you know, I'm just going to be seeing patients forever and ever and ever. And there's no other way to do healthcare but see patients and uh, seeing patients is great, uh, but you can also impact patients other ways. So and then the last thing that I think most senior level people now understand about people who work remote, while there is a good 5, 10, 15 percent that are you know, just kicking butt at home. Let's be honest, there's another 80% that are walking the dog, getting a second job, whatever it is. So, you know, I don't have this romantic vision of working at home. Now, yes, if you're a bookkeeper, I'm sorry to be laughing, but that, I mean, I'm not sorry. That's to me, that's, that's hysterical. Just the idea that there's somebody who's listening to this right now and going, oh my God. Is that what's is that what's really going on? <laughs> My people that are paying money to they're they're walking the dog, they're getting a second job. Yeah, it. it I mean, no, look, no, but that's the thing. They'll take the one or two outliers that are killing it at home, who are because of the freedom that their productivity has gone through the roof. 
Yes, but then everyone wants to point out to the outlier. But I, you and I have had lunch with people who are working from home, and come on, they tell us like, "Oh, it's been great." You know, I, you know, I'm spending more time with this, and I'm, I picked up this hobby, and I'm doing this, and uh, and I'm I'm doing some consulting work on the side. I'm, I've had those lunches, and I, I hear them telling. Those are anecdotes, but but I think my anecdotes are supported by you know the, the leadership. You know, in a lot of these organizations coming to that real estate. And even if the productivity is the same, you still, you, you know, the old conversations at the water cooler, metaphorically, like, hey, how are we going to deal with this client? You know, I think I've dealt with him before. I think, you know, this is the way you should approach. You know, you, you take all, how is that a win? I, you know, I, I just think, I, I know I'm such a contrarian, but how is that a win missing out on those conversations? It can't be just by definition. So I think that, I think we're wrapped up in the ro- romance of this new age. You know, why didn't we think of this earlier thing? But I I, I think it's, it's probably in a decade from now, it'll be a, a remnant of of COVID. And you know, yes, there will be a handful of people, but I I, I think it will slowly fade away. Jonathan, how do you um uh spend your time? How have you kind of manage how do you manage your day-to-day with the work that you are doing um can you give us a rundown in your day-to-day mm-hmm. space, so to speak yeah well uh now that we've gotten to the level of maturity in terms of the senior staff a lot of it is simply um having interactions and meetings with my senior staff on different topics and understanding what direction they're going in and the feedback from them um, so once you have a strong team in place, you're not actually in the weeds of the operations, the day-to-day operations, but you're more pulled back and talking about changes of direction, services, products, strategies, uh, as opposed to, you know, literally being in the, in the trenches and operationally, you know, how, how everything is going that day. So I would say, if you do your job well, after a while, you're not involved in day-to-day operations, but in conjunction and, and in meetings with your senior staff, you talk about more higher level strategies and, and, um, and higher level thinking about how you can grow the business as opposed to just, you know, what happened today? You know, what's going to happen next Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 of next year? Uh, and if you are if you can be spending most of your day thinking about that rather than, you know, how many, how many sales did we make today or, what, you know, what was the revenue from last week and, uh, you know, what things do we need to order? And so the less operations you can be involved in day-to-day, and the more higher level, I think that gives you a rate, a higher rate of return for your time, for your company. 